Hello, and thank you for listening to the I Brew My Own Coffee podcast. We are the podcast for people who care about coffee. My name is Brian Bikey, and you're joining us on episode 42. I am here with my co-host, as always, Brian Sheely. What's going on, buddy? Not too much. I didn't. I didn't really have a very good lead-in for you today. But it's okay. I think. Not, I, I think uh, our our guest today is going to make up for your uh, your lack of lead-in. Indeed. Today we have on with us the co-owner and head engineer, co-founder of Baratza. We have Kyle Anderson. Welcome to the show, man. Hi, guys. Is all that information correct, too? Co-owner, co-founder, head engineer? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you, you probably left out uh, window washer, uh, <laughs> janitor, that's right. a few others. But yeah, that's, that, right. that's pretty accurate. Well, thanks for being on the show with us. Well, thanks for inviting me. There's some excitement going around with the name Baratza. Not that it's not always, but particularly at this time right now, there was a, a new product that uh, that we've seen at SCAA and kind of leading up to. And um, b- before we get into all that, uh, we, we'll, we'll start the show how we normally do when we talk about something that we've been brewing or what you're brewing. So if we may put you on the spot, Kyle, what's something that you've been drinking lately? Oh, I don't drink coffee, just tea. Um, <laughs> oh, hey, that's oh, okay. Sorry, we've guys. got treat. We got we got tea <laughs> listeners as too. No, 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 no. My 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 wife will have one cup of tea in the morning, but <clears throat> then it's a coffee all day. No, we um, we have a plethora of of, of beans here um, that that come to us. We, we we've got so many customers that are great roasters around the country, and sometimes beans just show up in the mail. But uh, today we were uh, uh, we were. Uh, grinding away on some Olympia coffee roasting coffee, and, and um, it was Burundi, and um, great stuff. The uh, Nakuba is the varietal, and um, so it's, uh, it's, 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 there's always good coffee brewing here. If only we could get a good grinder. <laughs> uh, but that's I'm hard sure to that's come by. <laughs> oh, man. What about you? What you guys been drinking? I ended up recently... Uh, picking up a box of the Dumerso natural processed coffee from Steadfast. I think it's actually their first naturally processed coffee that they've offered, which is pretty cool. Um, it's really complex uh, for a natural. I mean, a lot of times you get that super like blueberry or or strawberry thing going on right up front. Um, but this one really, it finishes with a nice strawberry, like creamy strawberry note. Uh, but right off the bat, it's like it almost tastes like root beer, um, which is pretty cool. It's, had, it's got that like anise type spice to it um, and really sweet, uh, definitely creamy, finishes off like strawberry um, and super complex. So I, I really enjoyed that on uh, on the V6001 today and always cool to see uh, to see a, a roaster that I enjoy so much doing a natural for the very first time. So getting on, getting in on that was, was pretty cool. How about cool. you, Brian? I have recently been looking for a coffee for espresso. So what's tricky is I have two espresso throw two espresso grinders at the house right now because I'm using your set a grinder and I'm I'm I use it for filter and espresso, but usually espresso. So I'm I'm constantly blowing through two hoppers of espresso. So it's kind of hard to keep that in. Mm-hmm. But this weekend I, I was hitting the the window for a new bag of Populous Espresso Correct, which is their blend currently of a 50-50 blend of Colombia and Ethiopia. So I was getting that ready and I didn't I didn't know if it was exactly ready to to dive into it, but I didn't have anything else that I was currently pulling or waiting to had finished my previous bag a little fast. So I was working on it this, this weekend and I was making espresso lemonades. Hmm. So I saw uh, your I w- video about that. That was, yeah. that was pretty interesting. So I was, I was using that for, for that beverage this weekend and with some really good results. So the, the espresso and lemonade is something that I, I've seen at a couple of cafes, but not a lot. And when I first saw it, it was back at Collective Espresso in Cincinnati, which is, you know, kind of my hometown where I got started with coffee. And it, it was something we had in the house. I didn't have milk, so I was, or else I would have made a cappuccino or something. And I didn't want Americano. And we, we had some lemonade left over from our daughter's birthday party. So 
I just said, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess with with those parameters, and it's really kind of neat because the Ethiopian in this espresso blend kind of jumps out a little bit more. So just imagine like some caramel sweetness from the espresso, and then getting into some floral and fruity notes, you know, as the as the Ethiopian kind of kicks over in the espresso. So that kind of dropped into uh, a lemonade that's that's well sweetened, but also well tart. You have the lemon kind of kicking through, but then the sugars of the lemonade mixing with some of the sugary sweetness from the espresso. And then you just have this floral lemon thing kind of linger on. It's really refreshing. It's really enjoyable. So Hmm. that's, that's what I've been drinking. I I can't stop making them. So Kyle, our main, uh, our main shtick, this whole podcast is about, is about you and it's about Baratza. So, um, just kind of as we as we dig in, let's talk a little bit about you and, and maybe your backstory, whether it be you know where you came from, how you got into coffee. I'm I'm sure at some point in time that kind of mingles with Bratz's history as well. But history of you and coffee, where you came from, what your background is, and then you know likewise with Bratz's history. Oh boy, it's sorted. Let's start with that. Sure. Um, <laughs> that that's with a D, not a T. Um, I I, uh, I kind of stumbled into specialty coffee back in 1989, so I'm just getting started in it. And um, uh, my uh, tennis partner and I, we'd, we'd envisioned this super automatic latte machine. And um, so we went to Europe to find one at the big coffee show in Milan. And what we found is we walked through the aisles asking people for this machine that we could just import. They They... Yeah, I kind of thought that what we were what we were describing was blasphemous, um, an automated espresso machine. Um, so anyway, we uh, we came back home and invented one because the, it, it didn't exist yet. Um, now, looking back nowadays, it, it seems like well, haven't they always been around? Kind of like computers and the internet. No. Um, and um, so we got into the. I, I got you know prior to that, I was a civil engineer doing drainage work. So I guess I've always been into fluids to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and it rains a lot in Seattle, so you got job security with that. So I uh, uh, moved through uh, the commercial side of the business um, for about 10 years. And, um, you know, we sold the McDonald's and 7-Eleven and uh, ferries and cruise ships and, and uh Disney Studios and Microsoft Corporate Cafeteria and Boeing and, you know, Motorola, on and on and on. All these places where high-quality espresso-based beverages couldn't exist if you needed a trained barista, you know. The, the personnel, you couldn't afford them. You couldn't train them. You couldn't keep them. You didn't have room for them. Um, and, and so it, it made a lot of sense. But, but it was a very high-quality beverage, you know. It was fresh uh, beans, ground fresh for each shot. And an onboard fresh milk refrigeration unit with an automated um, cappuccino device that that um, was sterilized every time with steam. So we approached it, you know, from an American kind of NSF sort of a, a way. Um, and um, so I did that, had a lot of fun, and then um, uh, left that company to go uh, start Barazza with Kira. And... Um, that was with the intent, my non-compete with um, Baratza as I left there was, was uh, to stay out of the commercial realm for five years. And, and so we were futzing around with uh, Solus espresso machines, these little automatic Saeco type machines that, that in 1999 were largely unheard of in America. And um, we started importing those and, and that business was growing well. And, and then Solus offered us a coffee grinder. And and in just a few months, the coffee grinder became about over a third of our business. And we were like, wow, this is kind of cool. Now, we were selling an espresso machine also, traditional espresso machine, again, for home. So the, the, the grinder paired well with it. And um, uh, lo and behold, Starbucks popped up and, and, and said that they had the exclusive rights to that grinder, which was news to us. So we, um, we needed to develop our own grinder. Um, to avoid any sort of getting sideways with um, the big green mermaid. And so we developed the Maestro Grinder in 2001 and, um, and got into the grinder business, if you will, um, with, um, with our own model. And 
we continued to, to import espresso machines until about 2004 when we decided, you know, um, let's just do grinders only. We sold off the espresso machine part of the business and focused from that day forward on only coffee grinders. And again, the niche we were serving was the uh, high-quality home market. Um, in 2004, 2005, we actually introduced our first grinder that was all ours from the inside out, uh, all our guts and everything, and that was the Virtuoso. And, um, uh, and we just continued to listen to the market to find out where, um, where there were places it wasn't being served. You know, there were features people looked for, performance they looked for, and um, all of our great ideas didn't come from us. They came from our customers. And, um, and, and we continue to just do that, just kind of listen to our customers and go, is this what you mean? And bring that to market. So, um, it's, it's been fun with the, with the introduction of weight-based grinding, which again, um, came to us from, um, uh, Noble Coffee in Oregon. And the idea of the owner there, he said, Hey, have you ever thought about putting a scale in your grinder? It's kind of like, well, no. Uh, but I turned over a napkin at the SCAA show in Anaheim and did a little sketch. And I said, like this? And he said, oh, yeah, that'd be great. So our weight-based grinding was born from that conversation. And, um, and with it, it, it ended up pulling us into the commercial realm um, in a way that we hadn't predicted. So everyone back then, back in 2011, 2010, was, were weighing things with you know, their little coffee tins and weighing beans individually into the bin and then, and then single dosing. And the, the grain by weight was really revolutionary in terms of workflow. Um, it, it upped the accuracy, um, in improved workflow immeasurably. And, um, and so we ended up all of a sudden being pulled into this third wave of, um, you know, the slow brewing, uh, process with what we consider a right-sized grinder. So Barasa found themselves kind of in the commercial space, even though we'd, we'd uh, never really intended to be there. Um, you know, we, we, we were always committed to the quality of grind that was as good as a commercial grinder, but just not the speed. Well, the third wave for us isn't about speed. You know, it's about right-sized, you know, single-cup, high-quality manual brewing, typically. And, and um so that's been really fun for us, kind of an added dimension to Baratza. And, and, um, and then the, the Forte was born out of that as a, as a heavy-duty, built-like-a-tank sort of a, a answer to the uh, third-wave commercial guys. So that's kind of the history in a nutshell of where Baratza's come from, where, where I am frequently um, – called by people and emailed and saying, gee, I got this great idea for a pour over a great idea for an espresso machine. You guys ought to make an espresso machine. And it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> we're really clear on what we are and we're even clearer on what we're not. And we're not an espresso machine or a, or a, if it's got water in it, we don't do it. You know, hmm. we just do coffee. We just grind beans and it's enough. And just to do that right is keeping me plenty busy. It's actually really funny um, that you mentioned in, in part of your history, um, Starbucks. So you guys, you guys actually worked together with Starbucks or you, you built a grinder alongside Starbucks or for Starbucks at, at one point? No, it's actually, it's a little convoluted, but the, the, the company Solus, a Swiss company that uh -huh. we were buying our automatic espresso machine, the little psycho type machine from, they had developed a coffee grinder that, um, that they own the tooling and all the rights to. And they had not done well selling in America before they'd met us. And so um, the actual company that made that grinder for them sold it direct to Starbucks. And um, Solus, I think, wasn't even aware of it. And along with selling it to them, they also granted them the rights to it for all of America. So it was, it was kind of convoluted. So no, we were not selling to them, but we were we were getting our grinder from the same ultimate manufacturer that Starbucks was, and then Starbucks said, "No, no, no, not doing that anymore." Interesting. So uh, even though Starbucks grinder was branded Starbucks, and right. our grinder was branded Solus at the time. Gotcha. Um, so no, we were not working together. 
Because I remember I, that was actually my – so I used to work for Starbucks like a long, long okay. time ago. Um, and I did – my very first grinder was the the Starbucks barista burr grinder um, from, grinder. from back in the day. And I remember hearing, you know, as I started getting more and more involved in coffee later on, um, I remember hearing some some of this backstory about it, it had something to do with Baratza or, or you guys were involved in it at some level. So that's kind of interesting to hear how how involved you guys were with the first grinder that I ever started using. So, Yeah, and it's a great grinder. And, and um, I think Starbucks is not selling it now, but um, boy, they did for many, many years. Yeah. And... Yeah. Um, um, and as I say, and we did for three or four months. It was great, <laughs> <laughs> but it got us in the business. So for that, I'm 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 grateful. And and um, you know, and, and Starbucks is a customer of ours today. Yeah. They they buy grinders from us. So under our brand, under the Barazza brand, they buy the Virtuoso. Um, so it's it's all it's all good. So going that transition with the grinder that Solis had. And then going into the maestro and or that step with the virtuoso, what were some of those? What were some of the upgrades that came then, or what you say you were listening to what people wanted? What kind of improvements kind of happened early on versus what existed before that? That's that's easy. That's easy. The um, there there were two or three things. Number one, um, the the little Solus one sixty six, the the Starbucks barista grinder, um, great. You know, in 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 many regards, um, but had a very very limited range of grind, very limited. Um, you, you you could take it apart if you knew how, and you could set it up to grind coarse, but you wouldn't get any finer than drip. Or you could take it apart and set it up to grow really fine, but you wouldn't get anything coarser than like a medium drip. So I mean, you couldn't do like espresso to a French press. It, it just was not. The, the the it had 75 degrees of rotation in it when when we did that grinder we came up with the same mechanism but we modified it to 135 degrees of rotation and so we got all of this uh additional range of grind so that's number one not because it really made it an all-purpose grinder number two if you remember that little grinder it had it had a very narrow little clear bin that the grounds went into mm-hmm. uh-huh. that that the little recess that that bin went into was so narrow, nothing would fit in there. When I say nothing, nothing but that bin or maybe a, a tablespoon. And we felt that, you know, grind, grinding, grinding direct into a portafilter would be a really cool thing. And uh, so we, when we designed our grinder, we had the bin area wide enough that even a commercial portafilter would fit in there. Number two, if you're going to grind into a portafilter, we thought, well, having a pulse button or having a, a, a front-activated micro switch so that with one hand you could grind directly into your portafilter would be a good thing. So the Maestro came out with this pulse button mounted on the front of the grinder that you could hit with the tip of your thumb while you're holding your portafilter there. So those were the three main things when we introduced our first grinder. That we, you know, we stood on the shoulders of a great grinder that Starbucks was selling, and and improved on, on um, on its on its goodness, and um, and the the market responded very well. All right, so you you guys had then the Maestro, um, walk us down the line all the way up to where we are today. What what evolutions came about, you know, for each of the for each of the products that you guys uh, launched. Well, the next one was what we came up with. Two years later, we came up with the Maestro Plus. Um, what we found was um, people were asking for an even wider range of grinds. So, so we took the same mechanism with the same uh, thread pitch, and we doubled its rotation. Um, and we went up to 270 degrees of rotation, three-quarters of a turn. And, um, and that really opened up the range even further uh, we also added a big, heavy weight to the bottom of the grinder to make it more stable so that when you use the front-mounted pulse button, the, the, the grinder stood still on the countertop. And that was the – so we had the Maestro and the Maestro Plus. So in 2003, we had the Maestro Plus. Um, and then in 2000, right around early part of 2005, we introduced our first 
full grinder. The, 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 the Maestro Maestro Plus were using the guts that were identical to the Starbucks grinder. What we did was modify the adjusting mechanism. We actually replaced it with our own. But the guts, the motor, the gearbox, the actual mechanism was identical. We bought it from the company that sold the Starbucks, and that was okay. Um, and we just housed it in our own housing. But in 2005, we, we, we moved away from that, and we created our own Baratza grinder. And that's when the Baratza brand emerged. We were no longer um, related to Solus. And we were making our own gearbox, our own grinding mechanism, our own adjusting mechanism, and our entire own housing. And that was the Virtuoso. So that was our first fully Baratza-only grinder, was the Virtuoso. And along with that, now here's what gets confusing, we changed the guts that were going inside of a, of a Maestro and Maestro Plus to be Baratza guts also. So... Depending on which, you know, what year you bought your Maestro Plus, it could have either Solus guts inside or Maestro or, or Baratza guts. It didn't really matter because we support them fully, even to this day. Um, but, um, and so from 2005 onward, uh, the Baratza brand was really, we, we relaunched the company. We were, we were a grinder only company and we were making our own grinders from scratch. So um, we also moved away from this uh, little AC motor to a, a very much more efficient DC motor. Um, they run much cooler, slower, much higher torque, um, full 100% torque at starting, which for a grinder is a good thing because they start under full load. Um, but DC motors of the same power are about triple the price of an AC motor. But it was the direction we, we felt. Uh, was smart. You know, we were we were going to produce a high quality grinder, so we would put high quality components in it. So that was the virtuoso, and and then um, a friend of mine who was the owner of uh, Malkunig uh, came to me and and said, "Gee, would you be willing to produce a, a home grinder in a joint venture with us?" And um, and after some thought, I said, sure. And so we worked together. We hired uh, Malkunig to do the actual design work of the grinding mechanism inside the Vario. And we designed the entire uh, user interface um, adjustments and, and um, the whole housing and, and all that. And um, so then we produced the Vario in, what was it, 2007-ish, um, 2008. And um, uh, and then along came the, the Vario W along with the Asado. So that was the, the weight-based grinding in 2011. Yeah, I think we did the Vario in 2008 and then um, the Vario W in 2011. Uh, and, and along with that, as I say, we did the Asado, which was the, the back of a napkin uh, accessory that, that took a Virtuoso or a Maestro Plus and made it into a weight-based grinder. Um, so, and the, as I say, the weight-based grinding for us was a pivotal thing that we didn't see coming and that it, it pulled us into the commercial space. And, um, in answer to that, in 2013, uh, we came out with a Forte, which was basically a Vario on steroids. Uh, we, 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 we tripled the torque handling capacity of the drive system, um, increased the speed, changed all those plastic parts to metal. Um, and as a result, we ended up with pretty much a tank. I, um, can I just pause here and, and say how impressed I was pulling the Forte out of the box for the very first time with how stinking heavy it is? <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's a tank. Like literally it is one of the heaviest you know, products on my, on my counter at this point. It's, well, it's so small. It doesn't look like it's going to weigh that. It it's doesn't. Really kind of exactly. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. box is very deceiving. You pull it out and you lift it out of the package it came in and it's just, yeah, it, it doesn't want to move. So anyway, continue. <laughs> well, thank you. But our, our again, our commercial guys came back to us and they said, you know, we love the Vario W. We love everything about it. We love the footprint. You know, we, we, we love the versatility. We love the workflow. We love the quality grind. But get rid of the plastic. It just doesn't. It's just not tough enough in our cafe. You know, make it all metal. You know, make it like a Malkunig. Make it like a Mazer. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, so we did. <laughs> it was kind of fun. You know, it's, it's, it's still fun to watch people's eyes when they pick one up. Um, so uh, that was, what, 2013, I think? And, um, and along the way, I think probably in about 2012, I met this buddy of mine. Well, he's now a buddy in, uh, in Liechtenstein who um, uh, became our burr supplier for our conical burrs. And, um, and he had this brilliant idea that he'd been working on for probably six or seven years before I met him on this straight-through conical burr grinder. And um, it had no belts, no gears. Um, <laughs> it's an amazing device. The, the, the world still hasn't seen that one. Um, and... Um, I mean, just the electronics to drive the motor were close to 1100 bucks. I mean, it was crazy. Um, but, um, uh, you know, what I saw was a, was a grinder with phenomenal potential, a grinding mechanism and a, and a, and a, and a, and a, a not just a concept, but, but an idea for grinding beans that, that just, um, just shatters paradigms left and right. I mean, what, <laughs> what a conical burr can do, um, the speed, um, quality grind, all of this stuff. And, and we then set forth to, um, to develop a grinder around that mechanism that we could put into, again, the household market. Um, you know, it, frankly, it would be easy. You look, you look at what is it, the HG1 or some of these, you know, really slick grinders. Right. You know, and, and there's a part of me that's just jealous as hell because those guys can sell that for 4000 bucks. You know, man... If I had four thousand dollars <laughs> price point, shit, the sky'd be the limit on what I'd be putting it right. But you know, I mean, realistically, we 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 really are committed and, and we cater to, you know, the high end, high quality household market and the small cafe stuff. People are asking us all the time, gee, why don't you go out there and, and teach Mazar a lesson? Why don't you go out there and you know, because no one else is doing weight based grinding. How come you don't, you know, why don't you just go do that? You know, the big guys aren't listening to customers. You guys listen. And, you know, I just say, you know, we, 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 we probably could, just like I could maybe go develop an espresso machine. But I said, I, I really think, a lot of people disagree with me on this, but I really think that the status quo in the commercial grinders, they're making high-quality stuff. Now, is it bleeding-edge innovative? Mm, it hasn't been, but it's really good quality. You know, I mean, you can plug it in and they run for 20 years, you know, change the burrs, right. you know, um, and, and uh, virtually all those guys are buddies of mine, you know, and, and I just don't need to go play in their sandbox. They're not playing in mine. So, <laughs> so anyway, we've, we've chosen just as we've chosen not to make espresso machines and pour over machines and this and that we've chosen not to go play in that big heavy duty commercial space. You know, the, the only commercial, and I put in quotes, commercial grinders we do are what I consider right-sized, third-wave type stuff. Um, and um, so, anyway, that um, we've been working for a long, long time to, uh, to get that technology um, in a form that's affordable for us to offer the market. And it has not been easy. Um, it would be a piece of cake to have taken that technology and offer it for 4,000 bucks, but that's not our game. Um, so anyway, the, the, the sete has been long in coming and, and along the way we've, we've learned a lot about, um, uh, weight-based grinding. We've learned a lot about, um, you know, what, what makes a grinder even more versatile, um, really opening up the, the delivery areas so that you can maximize the number of number and variety of, of receptacles, um, you know, whether it's a V60 or an Abel cone or, a, you know, an espresso portafilter holder. I mean, all of these things, um, uh, you know, have a, have a form that really opens up function, takes the limits off. And, um, and that kind of harkens us back to our, our very first grinder, the Maestro, where we opened up the area a little bit over what the little Starbucks grinder was. So, um, you know, the sete for us is kind of a culmination of, of um, uh, a lot of what we've learned in the journey. And, um, you know, and along the way, we've, we've met, um, you know, we've met Akaya 
And those guys have taken scales to a new level. Um, and so it's like, boy, they know a whole lot more about scales than we do. You know, even though we've been doing them for a few years, Rex and his family have been doing scales for 35 years. And at that rate, they're laboratory scale, laboratory grade scales, you know, using pharmaceuticals and stuff. I mean, they're, they're 3500 to $4,000 each for a scale. I mean, these guys know more about scales than you. you it, it boggles the mind, all the different things they take into account. It's kind of like, really? So, you know, teaming up with my buddy in Liechtenstein, Etzinger, and teaming up with Rex, with Akaya, um, and, and wrapping all of that stuff um, inside of a sete um, gives us some really killer technology. And none of it's mine. You know, it's all these bright guys I know. That's very humble of you, but uh, yeah, the the you know being able to put that together, pull all of those pieces together, and offer it for the price point that you guys are offering it for. I mean, is just I I remember when I I first heard the price that it was going to be offered at, and I had to double take, like I actually had to stare at the numbers a couple of times just to make sure they were right because it just doesn't for what's being put in there, it doesn't seem like that. That should be the price. Well, it's it. Thank you, but you know, we 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 got that reaction from a lot of people in uh, Atlanta. They're kind of like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding!" I figured it would be like a thousand bucks. Yeah, and um, uh, you know, and 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 people say, "How come you're doing that?" And I said, "Because we can." Um, <laughs> you know, it's. Kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I want to get into several points about this this grinder. Open up some talk. Talk about some of the features of it and straight path for coffee. All this stuff that some of the 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 people listening to the podcast may not know. A lot of the people who listen are probably interested in this. A lot of them are home users, so you know they're looking for options for both filter and espresso. So, so what's what we're gonna talk about is gonna be exciting. But one thing I, I don't feel like a lot of people do talk about or maybe not know the difference of but I've seen it in in various iterations of grinders that you all have done just real quick can you talk about conical versus flat burr systems and what that's what either the results are in the grind the grind quality what it means for the grinder itself because we'll see different ones whether it be in like the virtuoso or the varios or forte and then again back with the sete right so we we introduced our first flat burr grinder with the Vario in, I think, 2008. So we'd been in the grinder business for seven years. And all we offered was conical burr grinders. Right. And people used to call me, seek me out, and they say, what's better, a conical burr or a flat burr? And I'd say, well, um, I only sell conical burrs. And... I don't know the answer to your question, but if you can answer the question for me, then maybe I can answer yours. And I said, what's better, a Ford or a Chevy? Now, if you can get 10 cowboys in a room <laughs> and get them to agree, what's better, a Ford or a Chevy, I'll, I'll hand you my hat. All right. Um, so we'll start with that. Um, and and when all I sold was conical burrs, I would tell people, I you know, it's really a matter of personal preference. And um, and so we bump into this, and I just step back, being in the business, and giggle, because I actually don't know. Um, and, I, and I mean, I, I don't know the answer. Gee, what's better, a flat burr or a cone burr? You know, and um, and and what's better for espresso? You know, what's better for a filter? Um, I can tell you that the differences from one cone bird to another can be night and day just based on the geometry, the slope of the cut, uh, the number of, of um, uh, ridges in their cutting surfaces. Um, uh, it, it's, it's about 85% science and about 15% black magic. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's really what these burr guys know is scary. And, um, so, you know, and, I, and I've, I've got good relations with Malkunig and Ditting, as well as with, you know, our supplier with Etzinger, you know, with, um, with the conical burrs we get from them. And, 
And these guys send me different burrs and they explain, well, this has got a seven, seven degree angle on it. And this one has a five degree angle on it. And, you know, I'm an engineer by training and I got calipers and I got little micrometers and they've even marked it with a marker on the bottom that this is a five degree and this is a seven degree and I can't see the difference. <laughs> and yet the performance can be almost a factor of two. One will grind at 1.8 grams per second. The other one grinds at 1.0 grams per second at the same sort of setting. I mean, it's just amazing the, um, the subtle differences in a bird that's the same size, spins the same speed, and differences that, that you can't even measure. I can't measure. And they'll make enormous, uh, have enormous impact on the, on, on the grind. So to get into the differences between flat burrs and cone burrs and then try and generalize to me is, is ludicrous. <laughs> It's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's like walking up to someone and saying, what's better, an apple or an orange? Well, this is going to really make our next question kind of, uh, kind of silly then, because I really wanted to know what's better, a, a sete or a vario. So, <laughs> well, I'm, and I'm not I, exactly that, sure. That's this... really good. No, hey, let's, let's, let's up it up, you know, ramp it up. What's better? We've been asked, what's better, a, a, a forte or a sete? Yeah. And, um, and we have put people in a room, some pretty names you would know <laughs> in this industry. We have a few of them in Seattle. And, you know, and, you know I'm on a first-name basis with many of them. Invite them. Hey, come on. Will you come on over for a cup of coffee? And, and we do some blind tasting. And it is so funny to see what they pick. And, you know, it gets, it gets split almost down the middle between, a, a, you know, like we, we use a, a forte and the, and the sete. And, you, and if, you know, if you dial in a good virtuoso, I mean, sometimes, you know, with, with, with some of the filter coffees, the virtuoso is the winner. It's just, um, I, I think the question is, is um, maybe too simplistic. Sure. I think if you said, look, I've, I've got this Burundi McCuba coffee, and I want to do pour over in a V60. And here's my recipe. Which grinder can get me the best cup? Now you, 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 you begin to phrase the question in such a way that you eliminate some of the variables. And you can say, you know, for a light roasted, fruity, you know, citrus, whatever, coffee, you know, I think this style of burr you know, whether it's the difference between a sete and a virtuoso or the difference between a, a, a forte with, with ceramic burrs or steel burrs or the difference between a forte BG and a sete. Um, you know, which, which one really brings out the, the, the stuff I like in a coffee? Um, and so it's, it really does, and I am not dodging the question. I hope it doesn't look like that. <laughs> Just, I, we get asked, it's like, oh my God, you know, it, it really boils down to personal preference. It really does. Um, when, when we came out with the Forte BG and the, and we had the Forte AP, same identical grinder. The speed is the same. The, the diameter of the burr, everything's the same. Just one burr is steel and one burr is ceramic. Now the geometry of the cuts are very different, but the difference between an espresso on the BG and an espresso on the AP, we have the room split about 60-40. And it's, it's not quite down the middle, but, you know, on, on one day. And then the next day, it'll be 60-40 the other. I mean, it's, it's, um, there are certain tastes that come out with a certain geometry and a burr that people, some people prefer. And it, and it, it really is personal preference. It really is. Um, so yeah, you can't, it can't go unnoticed though, that there are features that this new grinder comes out with that answers a lot of questions and solves some hiccups maybe that people have had with other grinders along the way. Yeah. So, and, and again, it's not, to it's not, not trying to sing all these pretty songs about the grinder, but I, I feel like we should maybe address some of these things that have been addressed 
with this grinder and some of the features that might be something that somebody's been looking for in a grinder. Yeah. So why do why do people get so excited about the sete and and for for good reason? I mean, one reason is at about at about ten paces back, you look at it and you go, "Whoa, <laughs> that's unlike anything that company's ever done before." In fact, it's unlike anything any grinder company's ever done before. And just the look of it is kind of like, "Whoa." Now that's not why it has the shape it has. As I said, it has the shape it has because its 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 form is following its function, and it it has opened up um, a lot of real estate that we that wasn't available to us when we started looking at um, features to add on to whether it was a Vario or a or a or a Forte as we moved into the weight based grinding integrated weight-based grinding. And so from the very get-go, we knew that to do weight-based grinding of a portafilter, we were going to have to hang the portafilter. The moment arm and the handle hanging out would, would prevents it from being balanced on a, on, a, on a bottom load cell like we've had in our other grinders. So we knew that we would need to have some arms that would be projecting out that would hold a, you know, potentially a 1.1 a, a pound, you know, a 600 gram dead weight portafilter. And then you're going to have this 600 grams of dead weight sitting there and you're going to grind coffee into it and you want to aim for a tenth of a gram accuracy. It's like, ooh, that's, that's kind of like having a semi truck sitting on a scale beside the highway and you throw a chicken on there and say, okay, what's a chicken weigh? I mean, it's not easy. Um, <laughs> So, so that's where that's where Rex came in because we needed a load cell that could take a beating, and we needed technology that that could give us the resolution that you need to um, to have six hundred grams of dead weight sitting there and still measure uh, a tenth of a gram between seventeen point nine and eighteen point zero. So, so that that necessitated a bunch of area right kind of in the throat of the grinder, which is typically where the motor on 99% of all grinders lives. And so we couldn't put our motor there. So, you know, we, we've got a really, you know, Klassen uh, does all of our social media. She's, she thinks it's our Star Trek device. It looks like the Starship Enterprise, you know, with the big old motor hanging off the back horizontally and then this, this, um, disc shaped kind of this round grinding chamber and um you know and it's it it is uh, admittedly a very unique configuration but it was driven by the function that we we had to have a lot of room there for the akaya load cell and the akaya brains and just the the stout physical support of um you know of, of a 600 gram portafilter sitting out there, not to mention, you know, an, an untrained barista who leans on it <laughs> and you can't let the load cell get ruined when that happens. So, um, uh, so that was a big thing. Um, it was really, we wanted a grinder that could grind into a portafilter directly. And, um, you know, we always giggle anytime we design something, People come out and they say, "Well, that's a really cool cell phone. You can do this and this and that, but you know, can you can you grind ice for your martini?" Well, why didn't you think of that? <laughs> um, so, I mean, we 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 always fall short. I mean, just just introduce something to the market, and you'll find out where you fall short. Um, they're not shy. They're not bashful. They'll tell us. And um, so, um, we've tried to accommodate. Uh, a very, very wide range of portafilters, uh, holders, um, and, um, and also a wide range of, of, um, uh, you know, single brewing devices, um, you know, V60s, um, Abel Cone. Um, I, I don't want to leave anybody out. Uh, uh, you know, we can't fit a Chemex in there, but, um, <laughs> that's not a single a brewing device. So, well, then count. I'm not buying one. Sorry. I'm uh, fine. <laughs> so talk this, a little. This show is over, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So um, what about the speed of this thing? Because, I mean, I, I, the very first time I hit the go button on it, 
I mean, I was shocked. You how jumped, fast, didn't you? How, how fast it was. No, seriously. I mean, I I have never had a home grinder that loaded up 20 grams of espresso into my portafilter that fast. Yeah. How did you guys no, do that? Well, I didn't. Uh, Christian Etzinger did. I mean, this is his, yeah. it's his brainchild inside. And, you know, as I say, he's been our burr manufacturer now for about six plus years. And he knows conical burrs inside and out. You know, he's got all this automated equipment that produces them in Liechtenstein. And it's really high quality steel and blah, 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 all that good stuff. And yet he's a, he's a hell of an inventor. And um, uh, he came up with this idea of rotating the outer burr, not the inner burr. And it changes everything. Um, and, um, you know, depending on the amount of power you want to put to this system, um, <laughs> you know, if you put a really big motor on this thing, which won't fit inside the sete, um, but a really big motor on this, you, you can get this little 40 millimeter burr set to put out on the order of 10 or 12 grams a second. It's scary. Find, find a big old honking, you know, industrial type grinder that'll do that. It's unbelievable what it's capable of. And most people take a look at a, at a, at a 40 millimeter conical burn. They say, well, number one, you can't turn it faster than 350 RPM. Number two, you know, it really can't put out more than two grams a second. And they're wrong, wrong, wrong and wrong. I mean, because if you use the same sort of dimension, but totally different geometry, and then rotate the outer burr, everything changes. Everything. So, um, um, you know, we've, we've had to put in a much more powerful motor in here because of the capability and the, and the, the, um, uh, the performance of the burrs and the way they pull the coffee in. Um, you know, it, it, it would bog down a lower power motor. But um, the speed, we think, is kind of fun. And, um, and we're okay mixing up a little bit, you know, changing the standards of what a home grinder can do. We're okay with that. And one of the things, again, I, I mentioned a little bit ago, but with this straight path, I, I feel like it's something that may or may not be something that is a selling point or a highlight for some people. But for those who, who haven't caught it while we've been talking about this, th- this coffee, it's going to go right through all the beans. There's no shoot that the coffee grounds are coming out of or anything like that. It it goes from the beans in the hopper through the burrs into your portafilter or into your bin or into your brewer or whatever. And that's it. So we're talking as soon as your beans are done, you have very little to any retention, right, that you're going to have in between coffees or anything like that. Correct. But that's that's I mean that that's a a side benefit. You know, it, Christian is a formerly schooled as an aeronautical engineer, Christian Etzinger. And if you take a look at the design of this thing and what's going on, and especially if you take a close look at the coffee coming out the discharge, it looks like the tail end of a jet engine. And that's no surprise because that's what he used to do. And if you take a look at what the coffee bean's doing as it comes into the grinder and goes through it and goes out the other end, it's very much like a particle of air on a jet engine going into a Boeing, all right? Uh, I mean, go stand in the front of these things and look through it. You can see through the jet engine. The air passes through it. If that air had to go into that jet engine, make a 90-degree turn, and then another 90-degree turn and come out the back end, how efficient do you think that airplane would be as it moved through the air? Yeah. This is a true or false question. No, no. (laughs) Multiple choice. False. I mean, think about it. I mean, so we're talking efficiency. F. We're, yeah, we're talking efficiency, all right? And if you move straight through and you move a bean straight through the system and it's not sitting there having to make 90-degree turns, virtually every other grinder in the market, you know, beans are making at least one 90-degree turn, at least one if not two. So um, uh, that's number one is that from an efficiency standpoint, that the smartest thing you can do is have this bean pass right through the grinder in about a third – of a turn, maybe a little under a half of a turn. That bean moves in and moves right out. Boom. It's, it's in, it's out. And it's actively transported into the grinder and it's actively pushed out after it's ground. We're not just sitting there relying on gravity. Now, one thing I think it's, is interesting, I, w- I want to talk about this a little bit because and you, can, you can point to me if I'm wrong, but so with some of the previous grinders, now 
I know with the Preciso, I'll say, that some folks were talking about the micro adjustments allowing for you to get some good espresso grinds, but and then you know maybe you could go up and do a pour over as well. Um, I know with the Vario, it seemed like there were different models depending on maybe if you were leaning more towards the espresso side or the brew, you know, filter brew side, and and we kind of see that with the Forte. Now we're here at the Sete. What what is this ideally for? Is it is it ideally all purpose? Great as espresso, great as filter everything in between or what's it what's the ideal use for this grinder our history shows and our intent is that when we produce a grinder it's really an all-purpose grinder now what we found with the forte was that as we were pulled into the third wave and the third wave was for us was largely focused around manual brewing techniques not espresso we found that um Using a different burr that was really ideally designed for that filter coffee um, particle distribution, and you know, the, and the burrs that are in the Forte BG are are an outshoot of the Uber Grinder project that Malkunig did with Marco as they were developing their Uber Grinder, and um, <clears throat> it was all around minimizing fines and um, maximizing the a really tight grouping of the particles. Um, right in, in this particular case at about an 800 micron um, setting. And so even though we, we, we were bringing the, the Forte to market with, the, with these great ceramic burrs that were used in the Vario, we've, we found that, and, and people told us, hey, it's a cleaner cup if you have a different burr set in there. Um, totally different performance. I mean, the, the metal burrs that, that, that make this killer um, filter coffee are half the speed, not rotational speed, half the output. They're a little over a gram, gram and a quarter per second versus, um, you know, a, a, a Vario, which is upwards of 2.4 um, or, or a Forte BG, which is 3.4. Um, so um, very, very different geometry on the same size burr. It's not that it's metal versus ceramic. It's just it's a different geometry with a cut. And, and so we decided to offer the market, you know, our, uh, uh, an AP grinder, which is all purpose, and then a BG, which is really our brew grinder. And it's really specifically tuned for that. Now, the sete, our desire is that it be an all purpose grinder. And that's really what our commitment is. I'll have to tell you that as it sits today, it is an absolute knock it out of the park killer espresso grinder. The ability to um, quickly uh, and very accurately fine-tune your espresso setting is, is, is amazing. It's, you know, and, and then, oh, there's that speed thing again, <laughs> you know, grinding three-plus grams a second. Um, I'll have to say that we're getting conflicting mixed reviews on its performance in its current configuration as a filter coffee grinder. Some people say, this is outstanding, this is the best filter coffee, and others are saying, eh, you know, I really prefer um, maybe my Virtuoso. And, you know, our problem is we don't know if it's the coffee. Um, we're, not, we're not sure what it is that we're getting these conflicting reports from people who really know their stuff. You know, and, and, um, and the good news is, is we're not overly concerned because the sete has one other thing going for it that no other grinder in the market does. And that is that you can swap the burrs in the sete. You can, you can swap the, the cone burr, which is the only burr that needs, quote, tuning. You can swap that cone burr in about between five and seven seconds with no tools. So yeah, it's super quick. If you have a burr, that you've got in your grinder that you use for making your espresso, and then you want to make an absolute killer filter coffee. We have the option of offering up a second burr that is specifically like the Uber grinder. It's specifically tuned 
And I, and I use the word tuned as opposed to adjusted. Adjusted is kind of a physical thing where you move the burrs closer together or further apart. That's how you adjust the grind. Tuning is different. Tuning is, is, is a, uh, a, a certain capability of the burrs that, um, that one burr set may have that another has not. And, and so we are currently working on a, um, a burr that will give us the performance at the coarser end that's as stellar as the performance we currently have at the espresso end. And we get to do this without offering two different grinders. First time in the world you can have a grinder that you can actually swap, swap the burrs. You don't have to futz around with calibration or tools or, or time or anything. So, um, so anyway, that, that's kind of the, you know, if I got to lay it out there and be honest with you, which I don't know why, but I guess I will. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, um, we, we, <laughs> we have everyone saying the espresso in this thing is great. And we have about 50, 50 saying the filter coffee is great. And the other 50 going, eh, not so great. So we, we want to we wanna please the crowd at both ends of the spectrum. And I am thoroughly convinced that we'll be there. Uh, we're working on it as we speak. But um, okay, the short answer to your question is today, it's a killer espresso grinder. Tomorrow, it's going to be both. Oh, Brian, did you know about this? I'm sorry. I just got really excited. <laughs> I, I do. I, I literally have goosebumps one. right now. Like, this is... This is awesome because, you know, the, like you say, there is no other grinder that you could do that with. And I remember the very first time I spun the adjustment dial all the way to the course's setting and the entire burr set fell off into my hand. And I realized that's how easy this thing is to clean. And that's how easy the burr set is to replace. I mean, that was that was eye opening to me. I, was, I got really excited about that. But I didn't even think that, you know, there might be an option of either replacing a burr with something else or that's just crazy. This is super cool. I feel bad. I feel bad that Brian hasn't been able to weigh in in a while. Dude, send me back necessarily my on it Cause, <laughs> cause he sent, he sent it to me to, ch- to check out before we recorded the episode. <laughs> so I'd have some experience with it. Cause before that I didn't, I didn't have any experience with it. Yeah. Um, so I've been futzing around with it. That's awesome. And oh. at both, both brew and espresso. So what do you guys think? You asked me the question. What's it? What's it really good for? Let, let me let me start by if we go back a couple of episodes ago, where I actually we 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 talked about some of the surprises in coffee, and the sete was one of my top surprises of the year so far. Um, and if we had to re-record that episode, I would then put in this part about swapping out burrs as being like the most surprising thing. Um, but what I did say in that episode was exactly what you said. Um, it is hands down just an amazing outstanding espresso grinder and I've, I've really enjoyed using it the filter side of it is is still remains to be seen I think it's I think it does a really good job you know I was never able to get it super coarse enough to the point where I couldn't imagine brewing up like a really large batch chemex with it um, but you know the the medium to small size brewing that I might do at home it it seemed to work just fine with that. And Brian, you've had it longer actually than I had. So, so where were you at? Where where are you at now with with your assessment, I suppose? So I I have a K thirty at the house. So I've been doing espresso side by side and it's it's great the you know, running the same espresso in both of them, I find the taste to be really similar when the shots are pulled similarly. So that's really neat considering that you're talking about what $1,300 separating the two grinders and the speed of which that they grind is really similar to. Um, whereas, you know, some of the other grinders are, are a little slower than that. Even I think Brian, your, your grinder is slower. I think you mentioned in the podcast too, right? It's like nine seconds to grind a shot of espresso. Oh yeah. Or my, my, right? uh, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely slower. And so they, so yeah, for espresso, Great, but I've but I've been curious about filter because I hadn't seen a lot of people talk about it. Now, I this kind of goes to your comment of what you mentioned about flat burrs versus conical and people's pref- preferences, and I I found a lot of that when I was digging, just kind of reading about things as well. And 
the seta is really interesting i find in filter settings and the only the only way i describe it that that like makes sense in my head is it tastes more like a cup of coffee that i would find in a cafe versus what i normally would brew at home now i mean i'll run extraction and stuff like that at home and i don't know it, it just produces a cleaner cup to me there's a little bit more clarity to the cup there's a little bit more ease to drink of the cup across, you know, similar extractions. Now the particle size distribution is going to be a little bit different. So I'm, I'm going to assume that it might be a more accurate extraction reading, but I don't know. I would have to just, you know, I'd have to see how the, the distribution plays across, you know, all microns and, and whatnot, and just see how those, those uh, charts go. But all that aside, I'm actually really enjoying it on filter, but I'm enjoying it differently than I would out of my Vario. And I have the Vario, I have the steel burrs in the in the Vario, which, if I if I recall right, that's similar to what you would get in the the BG of the Forte too. Those are the exact same burrs. They're just uh, they're spun considerably slower in the okay. Vario than in the Forte. Sure. So I so. You know the the quality of cups that I'm getting from that are nice, and those are for you know V60s up into I think I used my cone on the ratio at it was maybe an 800 so you're doing like gram batch, and I was only about halfway uh, on the burr you know settings for what it could be. So I've not messed with like coarse, coarse, coarse. But all this to say, what what was most surprising to me is the clarity in cup, especially from that cone brew. Because even brewing on the cone in general, I usually find it to be a little bit more muddied, you know, being having more oils and stuff in, in the cup. So to find clarity in my in the filter brews, I found interesting because being really good at as, as espresso grind, I would just assume that means the, the coarser I go, there would be fines in the cup and that I would get some of that over-extracting. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, it does. I, just by nature, if it's good as espresso, you would think that it would have a, a less consistent particle size as you go up, maybe, or more fine percentage as you go up. And in the brews that I'm doing, I'm not finding that to to taste in the, as a result. So I've I've actually been really surprised with it, almost to the to the point where I was like, wow, if I if I was trying to tell somebody who wanted to get you know, a grinder for filter and a grinder for espresso, and they weren't looking for just one. If they're looking for just one, then this this option right now is able to do that. You're able to sweep back and forth and get that whole range. But I'm almost to the point now where I'd recommend just dueling up on, you know, get two sete grinders and one for espresso and one for filter. Again, this is, I mean, I'm just talking if somebody were to want to ask because of the price point, because of their footprint. I mean, these are I could put two of them side by side in the same space that the that the K30 takes up on a bar. And they're shorter and I'm not going to lie, no one ever talks about this, but I really like the detachable power cable. I find that <laughs> very convenient. I, I don't know, it's like my <laughs> one of my favorite things about it. Well, thanks. That's that's the first time I've heard that. You know, we 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 did that largely for us. Um it, it makes production a lot easier because we, we currently sell in 46 countries. And um, one of the first things we do with all of our other grinders, uh, one of the first steps on the assembly line is putting in the cord set for that specific country. And it's a bearcat to change that later, a real bearcat. Sure. So the beauty of this is we produce a 230-volt model and a 110-volt model. We got the world covered. And then we just put the correct plug on, you know, when we when we finally box it up. Right. So. I just it's one thing that especially if you're one to clean your equipment and you need to turn it off, you need to unplug it, you know, for safety, whatever. I just find that convenient that I can it, I don't have to bend below or go underneath or behind my table or wherever I have it set up. I can just unplug it. I can drop the burr down, clean it out, you know, put it back on, plug it back in. Yeah easy good glad you like it (laughs) (laughs) okay so you've kind of given us us a peek into what could be the next you know sort of incremental step with the set i mean technically it's not even 
out yet to even consider like what's on the horizon it might might be premature but you know is there is there an idea maybe at some point in time to to kind of carry this you know revolutionary new technology onto something else onto another product of a different you know flavor maybe maybe more geared toward that commercial setting or it, I, I don't know if you even want to say well you know um <laughs> i've always got more ideas in my brain and ideas on the drawing board than than um than we have time to create and um trust me there's there's some um, there's some really fun stuff that will be following up behind the settee um, in the next year or two. We, we really expect that this, um, the settee is the foundation for what we're doing for the next 10 years. And, um, and, and, I, and I mean that because if you look at the, the virtuoso grinder, um, you know, that, that, that grinder stood on the shoulders of the maestro, which was created in 2001. The virtuoso has been, uh, basically the product that it is now for 11 years. So for me to say that the sete, given the, the, the paradigm busting that we've done as we brought this out and the technology that's in it, I mean, we, we really believe that we've got 10 years of fun and games to build on this, um, this foundation, this, um, this platform. Besides, Brian, haven't you been paying attention? Obviously, they're going to make another automatic espresso machine. <laughs> With this built-in technology, yeah, I, I mean, there's a water, it. there's a water connection on the back of it, right next to the plug. Oh, that would be so killer! <laughs> Get out of here, guys. <laughs> All right, Kyle. We, unless there's something else that that we've glossed over or ha- or haven't addressed, I think that's a lot of good stuff. Is there anything else that that we've left unsaid that you'd like to have said? Um. No, I I don't think so. I think you guys have um you you you've asked some good questions and and I I sure appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. It's been a lot of fun. We appreciate you jumping on. It's it's uh it's certainly a highlight for us and it's good I think to get a little bit more information out about this. There's there's a lot of little things going around and and stuff from the show, but I think it all it's it is also important important to note what you were saying about it not being out in market yet too. So um, a lot of buildup for it, yeah. and hopefully, pretty soon we'll we'll have a lot more people with experience with it using it in whatever setting that they have. Yeah. We will have the link in our show notes for all of the places where you can find Baratza on social media and on their website. So, uh, huge, huge thank you, Kyle, for being on the show and talking to us about Sete and everything Baratza. Um, it's super, you know, encouraging to hear all the stuff that's going on and we we wish you guys uh, the best of success uh, with with the launch. Hey, hey thanks uh, Brian and Brian it's been uh, it's been a fun. Cool. All right everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, you can visit us on our website at I brew my own coffee. Uh, if you want to contact us, click the contact us link at the top of the page. You can find us on Instagram at I brew my own coffee. You can find us on Twitter at brew my own coffee. Um, thanks everybody and until next week Happy brewing. Happy grinding, everybody. <laughs>